morning, everybody. Good to see you guys. Hope you're doing well. Last week, we started our kind of annual series on the family and uh, started off by talking about what it means to fight for our families. If you missed out on last week, I encourage you to go back. Uh, we have a podcast. You can watch the service on our Facebook page from last week. This morning, we're going to be talking about marriages. And, uh, and before we do that, I want to pray. Because I know anytime you start praying around marriages, first of all, the enemy hates your marriage. He hates God's idea for covenant relationship between a man and a woman. And so, uh, so I know that he would love nothing more than to keep you offended or <laughs> prideful or whatever else he could so that you aren't able to receive what I think the Lord would wanna speak to you. So let's just pray. If you're comfortable Uh, just put your hands out in front of you like you're ready to receive something. Father, we do come before you uh, as as people that are broken, as people that definitely don't have it together, as people that are very aware of the fact that we need you and very aware of the fact that without the Holy Spirit as our great counselor, there's really no relationship we're ever going to get right, but especially our marriages. So Lord, regardless of the, the relational status of every person in this room, Uh, We have people that are single. We have people that have gone through painful, horrible divorces, that we have have people that want to be married that aren't married yet. We have people that don't want to be married, and the problem is they're already married. God, I pray that you would just be with every person that is in this place, and I pray that we would be humble and teachable to what you want to speak to us. In Jesus' name, everybody said Amen. Some of y'all were trying so hard not to laugh when I said that in the middle of that prayer. Like, I don't want to be irreverent, but uh, that was pretty funny. One of the things we talked about is there is no perfect family. There is no perfect marriage. Uh, you know, to, to have this, this idea that you could have this perfect marriage, man, it's just a fantasy. Uh, there really are no perfect marriages. My wife, Cody, and I, we've been married almost 19 years this August. Uh, yeah, so give it up for her for putting up with me for 19 years. And, and I will say that we have been happily married for a solid 17 and a half of those 19 years. Uh, <laughs> there's seasons when we haven't always been hitting on all cylinders. There's been seasons that have been filled with, let's just say, interesting conversations uh, that we've walked through. And all of us have probably had some knockdown, drag out fights before in our marriages. We've had a few. Um, one of ours early on, I don't even remember what the fight was about. How many of y'all know that most of the time the fights you have in marriages, they're usually over really dumb stuff and stuff that doesn't necessarily matter, but we're having a, a fight and it just got really heated really quick. And both of us have very strong personalities. And so we were just going at it. And, and she eventually says, James, you just need to leave. And I'm like, I'm not going anywhere. We're going to work this out. We're going to deal with this. She's like, fine, I'll leave. And she, she goes outside and she hops in her little Ford Escort uh, and, and she's getting ready to, to, to drive away. And I just go and stand right in front of her car. And I said, get out of the car now. We're, you're not going anywhere. We're gonna work this out. And she said, get out of the way. I'm gonna run you over. And, and, and she would have done it. She really would have done it. I believe it with all my heart. And I said, no, if you pull out of this driveway, I promise you, I will call the cops right now and report this vehicle stolen. I will do that. I promise I will do that. And so, and so she, I believed that she would run me over. She believed I would call the cops. So she got out of the car and, and we were able to work it out. And, and here's the deal. Look, I have made so many mistakes as a husband. I have yelled and screamed at my wife 
I have told her to shut up. I have told her that, <laughs> that she needs to submit. I have told her stuff that you should never say to someone that you love. I've made plenty of mistakes. And so I just want you to know you're in good company. All of us need the word of God and the Holy Spirit to help us in relationships and especially our marriages. Many of you may feel like you're in a place in your marriage where it's just kind of dark and hopeless, like you don't really see recovery. Maybe it just feels like with your spouse, so you guys are just basically roommates, like you're in the same house together, but it doesn't feel like a marriage. Some of you may feel like you're a single parent because your spouse is always away and disengaged. And some of you may feel like you work so hard all the time and you're just way underappreciated. Maybe it feels so bad in your marriage that you have begun romanticizing divorce. And I will say that, that all, that's all it is. It's, it's, it's romanticizing. There's nothing that is great about it. It's painful. It's hurtful. Maybe your marriage isn't on the brink of divorce, but it's distant and there's just something missing. Or maybe your marriage is just stressful uh, because you went from being newlyweds to having one, two, three, four kids within a short amount of time and you're so busy working so hard, you never have time for each other. I don't know where it's at, but thankfully God's word speaks to it. He speaks to where you're at, and I believe his word can help us. And I think there's some great secrets to healthy marriage within our main text today in Ephesians chapter five. So if you'll go there, it'll be on the screens. You can look at it on your Bible apps or on your Bibles. Let's read this together. This is the New Living Translation. It says, and further submit to one another, out of reverence for Christ. To one another out of reverence for Christ. For wives, this means submit to your husbands as to the Lord. For a husband is the head of his wife as Christ is the head of the church. He is the savior of his body, the church. As the church submits to Christ, so you wives should submit to your husbands in everything. For husbands, this means love your wives just as Christ loved the church. He gave up his life to for her to make her holy, clean, washed by the cleansing of God's word. He did this to present her to himself as a glorious church without spot or wrinkle or any other blemish. Instead, she will be holy and without fault. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as they love their own bodies. For a man who loves his wife actually shows love for himself. No one hates his own body, but feeds and cares for it, just as Christ cares for the church. And we are members of his body. As the scriptures say, a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united into one. This is a great mystery, but it is an illustration of the way Christ and the church are one. So again, I say, each man must love his wife as he loves himself. And the wife must respect her husband. So I think there's, there's a lot that's in here, but the two main principles that I think are pivotal for you to understand in a relationship, in the marriage you want to have, in the marriage you're dreaming about, the marriage you have right now, two things. A husband's deepest need is unconditional respect. Unconditional respect. 
So when a man's huffing and puffing and being defensive and cranky and giving his wife the silent treatment, really what he is saying is he doesn't feel respected. That's what he's saying, okay? And a wife's deepest need is to be unconditionally loved, unconditional love. So when a, when a woman is complaining or criticizing or crying or being cutting towards her husband, she is really just saying, sending this encoded message, I want your love. That's what I want. So a man needs respect. A woman needs love. It's that simple and that incredibly difficult at the same time. No one needs... now. I should say everyone needs love and respect, okay? So I'm not saying that, that women don't need respect and men don't need love, but what we're talking about is the dip, deepest need of a man and a woman's soul. Like these are, these are pivotal for them to feel this covenant relationship. And I think sometimes we look at this the wrong way. And I've heard this said to me, husbands will say, well, I would love her if she respected me more. And wives would say, well, I would respect him if he loved me better. So I want to be clear, and this may be one of the hardest things to hear, but absolutely vital for you to understand. Husbands, you are called by God to unconditionally love a disrespectful wife. Wives, you are called by God to unconditionally respect an unloving husband, period. The enemy hates your marriage. He hates covenant, he hates commitment, but I promise you, if you can get God involved and get his word involved in your relationship and you apply some, some biblical wisdom, you can have a very healthy marriage, one that honors God, one is an incredible testimony. So husbands, how do you love your wife? A few things. First of all, communication. And by communication, I mean actively listening. That's really the communication that most wives need more than anything. The average woman speaks 20,000 words per day. Some of you blow that way out of the water. Some of you are on the lower end of that. But the average man will speak 7,000 words a day. None of us are on the high end of that. Most of us, like that's gonna be the most. It's interesting, women have a higher level of a protein compound called FOXP2. It's the language protein. So, so in communication and language development, they have a higher concentration of that protein than men do, okay? Have you ever seen a woman on the phone with her best friend? Whoa! Like, if, when I watch Cody on the phone with one of her good friends, I'm like, this should count as a workout. Because, I mean, she, because not only is she talking and she's communicating, but she's multitasking, right? She's walking around the house. She's doing five other things. The same. I'm like, you are closing some rings on that watch, right? iPhone watch, right? It's like, it is amazing how she's able to do this. And what wives need is husbands that care about those words. In 1 Peter 3, 7, it says this, in the same way you husbands must give honor to your wives. Treat your wife with understanding as you live together. 
She may be weaker than you, but she is your equal partner in God's gift of new life. Treat her as you should treat, as you should treat your prayers, sorry, treat her as you should so treat prayers. So I'll just take a deep breath. Treat her as you should, so your prayers will not be hindered. Man, I mean, I just want you to think about that. Some of you guys say, man, I'm praying all the time for my family. God would show my wife and convict her. And your prayers are hindered because you're not seeking to understand her. You're wanting the Lord over her. So wife honestly needs you to be her best friend. Listen to her, give her attention. Uh, wives also need leadership. Ephesians 5.23, for husband is the head of his wife as Christ is the head of the church. He is the savior of his body, the church. As the church submits to Christ, so you wives should submit to your husbands and everything. For husbands, this means love your wives just as Christ loved the church. He gave up his life for her to make her holy and clean, washed by the cleansing of God's word. A lot of times when we read through this scripture, and, and I will see men like tongue in cheek, jokingly like, amen, submit. They love that phrase, submit to your husband. They're like, you need to go get that tattooed somewhere. But they don't read on. Gave up his life for her. Okay, so if you like authority, you have to understand that with authority comes responsibility. Christ sacrificed and died for the church. So I think most men, most husbands would say, you know, I would die for my wife. I'd take a bullet for her. She's my ride and die. But would you live for her by dying to yourself? That's really what this word is saying. The wife is called to submit to the husband, but the husband is called to die to himself. So you tell me which one is more sacrificial. Godly leadership is all about putting others first, including in the home. The first to initiate, the first to sacrifice, the first to serve, the first to have self-control, first to pray, the first to bring God into the situation, the first to do the right thing, the first to say, I'm sorry, the first to work hard. Wives need your leadership. So here's one thing, one really practical thing that you can lead in starting today that I promise you will help your marriage. Pray with your wife. Pray with her. Almost every wife wants a praying husband that will pray with her. I'm not sure completely why that is so important to them. I just think, honestly, they like to be led and they like to be led spiritually. It means the world to them. So don't overcomplicate it. Some of you are like, I just, I, I don't, I'm not comfortable. I don't know what, how to pray. I'm not a pastor like you. I don't have all the right words. Express your heart. Just like throw in one of the names of God and then express your heart. Lord, and then express your heart. Jesus, and then express your heart and just do that with your spouse. I promise you that'll help.
Wives also need security. Now, financial security, for sure. Like, be hard workers. Find ways to make money. It's important. 1 Timothy 5.8 talks about just how important this is. But if anyone does not provide for his relatives and especially for members of his household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. Pretty strong stuff, okay? So provide for your family. But also just security in the relationship of the marriage. The enemy lies to women all the time. And every woman should make it their goal to find their affirmation in who they are in Christ. But men... You are one of the mouthpieces that God has picked to speak that affirmation into your wives. Your wives need to hear that they're beautiful. They need you to pursue them. They need you to send them encouraging texts. Do romantic things every once in a while. Like, it doesn't have to be every day, okay? Seriously, dudes, please don't do romantic stuff every day. You're making us look really bad, okay? Will you just set up... It's a, it's a marathon, okay? Uh, like, pace yourself. But, but do romantic things because these things help create stability in the marriage. Okay, wives, how do you respect your husband? First of all, support. Look, a man naturally carries weight. Some of us more than others. There are some men in this room that they are the leader everywhere they go. So they go to the work, they're the boss, they're the leader. They come home to their wife, to their children, they're the leader. God has called men to lead, but they need support. Verse 24, as the church submits to Christ, so you wives should submit to your husbands and everything. Okay, some things that submission is not. Okay? It's not agreeing all the time. It's not passivity. It's not inf in inferiority. It's not living in fear. It's certainly not going against God's will. The Greek word for submit is hypotasso. Basically, it means to voluntarily place yourself under. That's what it means. So when you said, I do, you volunteered to place yourself under your, your husband's leadership. Also, when you submit yourself to your husband, you're really submitting yourself to God. It's really the ultimate form of saying, God, I trust you. I trust you. Aretha Franklin's song, Respect, uh, it went worldwide. It was hugely popular. But two years before that song was made popular, it was actually written by a guy named Otis Redding. It was written from a man's point of view. It was a message to his wife. It was a cry for respect. Now, I would say that if a man writes a song about respect <laughs> and sings it in front of thousands of people, he's probably not going to get more respect from his wife. Like, it's probably not gonna be the most effective way for him to get that. But this is how strong it is in a man to be, wanna be respected. So I wanna, I wanna talk to how well Cody does this with me. Look, my wife has a very strong personality, okay? Like she's sweet, but she packs a punch, all right? And she has an opinion. She is a good leader, she's competent, she's articulate, she's very, very good with words. 
but she also is very good at supporting me. She's great at submitting to me. Let's be clear, she expresses herself. She has opinions, but in the end, she does say, James, I trust you, and I'll do whatever you think. Now, I would say that most every man wants their wife to say that until their wives actually say it. Like, okay, buddy, it's your call. Kids and I are with you. And then usually the man will say, well, okay, but what do you think? (laughs) (laughs) But your man needs your support. Who's supporting him if you're not? There's a good chance if you're not supporting him, there may not be anyone supporting him. And here's the truth. You don't want someone else being his support. They also need contentment. Husbands need contentment. Proverbs 21, 19. Better to live in a desert than with a quarrelsome and nagging wife. <laughs> it's, in the, it's, a, it's the Bible. If you're offended, it's not my fault. But here's the truth. The nagging wife has never changed a man, ever. The eye rolling, sighing, repeated reminders. Here's the truth. Your prayer in partnership with the Spirit of God is what changes your husband. Ladies, please don't try to be the Holy Spirit. He's really good at his job and you will just get in the way and mess it up. So let him be who he is. Deep in every man is this need for their wives to be happy, content. Men already have this burden of trying to be a provider. I know that this isn't a blanketed thing. Like I know that there's dual income homes, but but this is how God has wired us to, to be the provider. But when it doesn't feel like it's good enough, we take it personally. When it feels like we all, that our spouses always need a bigger house, a nicer car, better vacations, more clothes, bigger diamonds. For man, that's really, really hard to handle because we love our wives. We want you to have everything that you need. In 1 Timothy 6, 6, it says this, Yet true godliness with contentment is itself great wealth. So I would say that that contentment element, man, it's not just what your husband wants. When you can find contentment, you're gonna find some joy. You're gonna find some peace. Your husband also needs affirmation. Proverbs 10, 21 says, the lips of the righteous nourish many. Look, most men will act like they don't care what anyone thinks. And and they may genuinely feel that way about most people, but wives, they care about what you think. And they want to feel close to you. And I think you need to tell them how much you appreciate them and what you appreciate about them. 
Most men, most of us, we struggle with this question. Do I have what it takes? So I think you finding ways to honor him can help affirm that he does have what it takes. I think a big portion of this is figure out ways to affirm him publicly. A a, a phrase that we use a lot around our church culture here is public honor translates to private leverage. When you publicly honor people and prop them up and appreciate them, it'll help gain you influence privately. And this definitely works with men. When they just feel like, man, she's got my back. She's got my back. I cringe when I hear wives talking negatively about their husbands. Like there's been times I've been sitting in a coffee shop and I'll overhear a couple wives just railing. Misery loves company, you know? And, and though if, if you're unhappy, you're not trusting God and you're not really seeking him for your marriage, you, you will find somebody that will affirm all of your negative thoughts. You'll find somebody, men or women. There's been times when I literally just want to walk across that coffee bar and put my hands on the table and just be like, you are not, this, this conversation is not gonna produce any of the things that your heart really longs for. It's only gonna produce death. Honor. This verse, again, it's in the Bible. Proverbs 27, 15. A quarrelsome wife is like a dripping of a leaking roof in a rainstorm. Restraining her is like restraining the wind or grasping oil with the hand. Affirm your husbands. They did a national study of 400 men and they gave them the choice between going with two different negative experiences. Uh, One of the negative experiences was to be left alone and unloved in the world. That was one of the negative experiences. The other one was to feel inadequate and disrespected by others. 74% said they would prefer to be left alone and unloved in the world. Now, this doesn't mean that they don't need to be loved. It just means that they need to be respected more than even being loved. This is key. That's how deep and important respect is to a man's soul. So as this scripture lays out, marriage in the Bible is really a metaphor for Christ in the church. God made earthly marriage in the image of his own eternal marriage with his people, with the church. Husbands, you don't need a better wife. Wives, you don't need a better husband. We all need a lot more Jesus and a lot more of his word. The truth is practical tips won't heal a marriage. Only God's strength, his spirit and his word. And you can't do this on your own, none of us can. And I will say this, if you've blown it in your marriage and some of you are feeling that right now, like you're allowing the Holy Spirit to heap shame, guilt and condemnation on you and that's not from God and that's certainly not this message. But I want to let you know that there is still hope for you without a shadow of a doubt. 
If there's been adultery in your marriage or abuse or neglect, bitterness, selfishness, lust, God can heal you and he can forgive you right now. Let's close our eyes, bow our heads. Father, we just come before you right now as, as a church, as a church family. Um, we, we know that we don't have this right. But God, I, I know that through humility and teachability, an openness to who you are, uh, that you can, you can heal, you can restore. So Father, I, right now, I just, I wanna speak first to those that have, have walked through divorce, have feel like maybe they've already missed this, they've lost it, they, they're in a place of brokenness because they had a marriage at one point and for whatever reason, I know those reasons are varying and some of them, the truth is they needed to be out of that relationship because it was abusive, it was, was not what you would want for them. But Lord, right now, first of all, I just wanna to speak to every person that's in that realm and in that season, I thank you for your grace. I thank you, God, for your affirmation, your love, your, your acceptance, your perfect plan and purpose, God, that even through those horrible and painful situations, your word promises that you will work that for the good of every person who loves you and is called according to your purpose. Lord, I recognize we have single people in the house some of them, they're in a season of contentment, Lord, with you. And I thank you, God, for that amazing gift. And some of them are longing for the day when they can be married. Or married again. I thank you, God, that they are going to allow you, your word, to be the standard for who they pursue. For who they're going to wait on. But if you're here today and you would just say, look, I need help in my marriage. Nobody's looking around. I just want you to lift your hand up right now. Just say, man, my marriage is, I need some help. It's broken. It's not where I want it to be. Okay. Father God, I just thank you for the humility. I thank you for the honesty of each one of these people. Lord, I don't know the story, but Lord, I know that when we just come before you and we're willing to admit it, we're willing to just say, that's me. I'm, I know I need some help. God, I pray that you would move on their behalf. God, that first and foremost, they would know who they are as your sons and as your daughters. The truth is that any marriage will not be what you intended for it to be if it's not two individuals that are first and foremost pursuing who they are in Christ, having a confidence of who they are in you. And then out of the overflow of that comes this godly and healthy amazing marriage. So help that overflow to help happen in each individual. I thank you for that. God, I pray that if any of them are in a really, really bad situation, I pray there would be enough humility and teachability that they would get help, that they would lean on the body of Christ. They would lean on, on the wisdom and the counsel of others, Lord, to be able to have accountability and, and advice and and direction so that they can be who you've created them to be. And I thank you, God, that there is no marriage 
that is too broke. There is no marriage that is too far gone. You are the God that brings things back to life. And so in Jesus' name, whatever the cause may be, maybe a pandemic year, maybe just whatever it is, I thank you, God, that no weapon formed against their marriages will prosper in the name of Jesus. And I thank you, God, as they submit themselves to your spirit, you will breathe new life into the dry bones of that marriage in Jesus' name that you will restock the fires of passion because they're gonna fall more madly deeply in love with you than they've ever been before. I thank you, God, for that. I also just wanna give a chance for anyone that's in this house that, that you feel distant from God. You feel that you don't have any security in relationship with him. No matter what season or era of life that you're in, the only way that you will ever be able to have the kinds of relationships that God wants you to have, the only way you can have the marriage that he wants you to have, it has to be an overflow of your personal relationship with him. And if you don't have that relationship, I wanna give you a chance. The truth is we are all sinners. We all need a savior, every one of us. There's no exceptions. And if you're here and you're willing to admit, look, I, I am, I, I'm away from God and I need him. I need to come back to him. Nobody's looking around. I just wanna pray with you. If you're willing to admit that, just confess that before me and God and just say, I wanna be included in this prayer. I want you to put your hand up right now across this room. Yes, sir. Thank you. Thanks for being bold. Got it, bro. Thank you. Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. Yes, sir. Anyone else? I'm just away from God. I need a relationship with him. Father God, I thank you for each one of these people that raised their hand. I thank you, God, that they're here, you're here to meet with them. The fullness of your grace, love, mercy, and acceptance is available because of your son, Jesus. If you raise your hand, we're just gonna talk to God. You don't have to say exactly what I'm saying, but something like this, just maybe loud enough for your own ears to hear it. But even in your heart, I would encourage you to go public with this. Tell somebody you made this decision as soon as you can. Get water baptized as soon as you can, but let's just talk and say, God, here's my life and I'm a sinner. And I know that, that my sin, it does, it separates me from you, but I believe you sent your son Jesus to die on the cross for me. I don't understand everything about that kind of love, but I'm willing and open to understanding it. So thank you, Jesus, for paying the price for me. And I thank you that you didn't stay dead. You rose from the grave. You defeated my sin, past, present, and future. I can walk in victory. I can walk in joy and peace and a confidence of who I am because you don't see me for my sin. Because I've accepted the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross, when you look at me, you see me the same way you see your son, fully loved and accepted. You're proud of me. Thank you for that. But I thank you that because of that, I also don't wanna just live my life the way I wanna live my life. I wanna live for you. I can sense now in my heart that there's no other way that I'm ever gonna find fulfillment except in you. And so I repent. I repent from living for myself, for living for the world. I turn towards you. Be my Lord. Have control of my life. Father, I thank you for the people that made that decision, prayed those prayers, Lord, this morning. Help us as a church to come alongside of them, 
to help them become the fully devoted followers and disciples that you've called them to be. Thank you, Lord, for how you're moving, how you're healing, how you're restoring, how you're divinely connecting, how you're orchestrating marriages in this place. To you be the glory, in Jesus' name. Amen, amen.